Janksters, and welcome back to another edition of the Magic Jank Podcast. And today we actually have a pretty fun one. I'm very excited. Uh, we're actually going to be diving into a format that maybe you didn't expect. We're actually going to be talking about alchemy today, but wait, wait, no, stick with us. Promise, I promise you this is going to be fun. We have some upcoming cards from uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan Alchemy, and honestly, okay, at the risk of like spoiling things a little bit the designs are actually pretty interesting and so even if you're not going to rush out to craft them right away stick around because the conversation i know is going to be top notch and who knows there might be something fun for your historic brews uh in here so definitely don't go anywhere so yeah my name is graham i go by hammocks 42 on the internet and i'm joined as always or as often i should say by carlos Verde jr how you doing man hello hello i'm super excited for today's podcast you'll find out in a little bit why oh my goodness and then we also have hollywood pizza pizza how you doing man Hey, everybody. I hope you're all doing good. Hope you've been keeping it cheesy out there in pizza land. Oh, yeah. Always cheesy, man. Always cheesy. Yeah. And before we dive into the meat of the episode, we also want to give a huge shout out and huge thank you to magicjank.com, the namesake of the show. They are the online marketplace where you can buy and sell Magic the Gathering products and gear. It's also the home of the merch store for all the members of Team Magic Jank. So if you ever see us like walking around at conventions and stuff and be like, man, I really would love that logo on a mug or a t-shirt. Boy, howdy, we got you covered. So that's awesome. Additionally, there are uh, some deals going on over there for the holiday season, including... 15% off Quiver products. And if you're not familiar with Quiver, it's basically high-quality luggage that is the right size and shape for your Magic decks. Like, the the long uh, Quiver, you know, package, the long Quiver, well, that's the product name, um, holds about six Commander decks pl- with room for dice and tokens. It's a game-changer. So if you want to roll up to your local game store or the convention that you're going up to, you know, whether you're going to Chicago or you're going to be at PAX Unplugged, like, the weekend this comes out... Um, Make sure to get there in style. Although, if you were at PAX Unplugged, we couldn't probably get it to you by then. But anyway, magicjank.com or order uh, your cover products over there. 15% off. You're not going to find a better deal than that out there. So, yes. Huge thank you to Magic Jank for making it possible. All right. Yeah, we got some awesome deals, too, right? We got, like, 10% off, like, a few other things, too. It's pretty Absolutely. awesome. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, that time of the season to get in on some things and no better place than Magic Jank. Exactly. Oh, yeah. For yourself or for others, get after it. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we're going to start off with Alchemy spoilers. Now, the Lost Caverns of Alchemy, uh, the Lost Caverns of Alchemy, Lost Caverns of Ixalan Alchemy set is going to be dropping uh, just next week as of this recording. And with all these sets, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, Alchemy sets follow the launch of a new standard set, and they're digital-only cards that are exclusive to Magic the Gathering Arena. So these aren't going to be, you know, draftable at your LGS. You're not going to open them out of packs. Uh, And you'll see why in a couple of cases. Like, the mechanics are designed with digital in mind. And so, as a result, they kind of... They can go a little off the rails, do things a little bit differently. Uh, you know, manipulate the cards in your hand or the cards in your deck in a way that you normally couldn't. Or check information that is normally hidden uh, from every player, that kind of thing. So it can get interesting. Um, and yeah, we have some really cool ones. At this point, there have been a handful that have been spoiled. And, uh, Carla, did you want to go ahead and give, tell the folks the, the good news about what they're going to hear today? Well, Wizards of the Coast, and thank you again, and to the Magic the Gathering Arena team, have given me a few preview cards to preview throughout this weekend. Um, One of which I previewed today, the day of this recording, over on Twitter and all the other social platforms. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But there's one exclusive preview that is only in this podcast. So if you want to check out that preview, we're going to be doing that in just a little bit. So listen up. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we're going to go through the previews that have been uh, 
uh, previewed so far. And the last one that we're going to touch on is, in fact, an exclusive that you, you'll you'll only see here. And, and all the aggregator websites as soon as this goes, like shortly oh, yeah. after this goes up. But you'll see, you saw it here first, everybody. And Make we're sure you excited. share the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Let people know. <laughs> we appreciate that. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right on into it. So the first card that has been spoiled from this new alchemy set is a dinosaur pirate, because what's not to love? Um, pirates are great. Dinosaurs are great. And we have Kamachal, ship's mascot, which is a 2-2 dinosaur pirate legendary for two and a red with menace and fire breathing. So you can pay one to give it plus one plus zero till it a turn. And whenever Kamachal deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. Then exile from that player's library a random card with mana value equal to the damage dealt. You may cast that card this turn. All right, what do so, you guys think of this thing? This card, this card is so serious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's talk about another dino that ramps on mm -hmm. attack, right? So at minimum, even if you don't cast your opponent's card, this card lets you go from turn three, putting this guy out, to a turn five play a turn earlier, just with the treasure ramp, right? Um but also this pseudo Ragavan effect. Mm -hmm. um, however, you'll notice it says then exile that player's lot from that player's library a random card. So it's not off the top of the deck. Mm -hmm. It might not be off the bottom of the deck. A random card that's going to get exiled, equal to the value. So if you deal two damage with this creature, it's going to exile a CMC or mana value two card from the player's deck. If you fire breathe it to three, four, five, and above, maybe to seven, and you take your opponent's Itali out of their deck and continue to go hog wild, uh, I mean, that works out too. This card does that. Um, so it's it's super sweet, and it's glad to see that a dino does, in fact, fit on a boat. That is encouraging. Yeah. I also love that like, yeah, it's pictured. Yeah, this card is just crazy. I know, right? It's pictured on, like, what appears to be this orcish pirate's shoulder like a parrot. Like, I don't know about you guys. I think that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it definitely has, like, uh, that Ragavan feel, which mm -hmm. I I really enjoy. Like, this card has a lot of flavor. It's very powerful. It does powerful things. Uh, I think there's just, like, a lot to like about it. And, yeah, it just, like, it feels so excellent. Like, it really... Mm -hmm. I can't get over like how just awesome this card just feels overall. It's like really cool that this is where we started because it's just like it's got everything that a lot of different people want. Uh, it even has menace, which menace is pretty big. I think having that ability is definitely going to like help this card get pushed like in a lot of different decks. And mm -hmm. yeah, I I just every time I read this card, I'm like, wow, this card is powerful. <laughs> yeah, really and powerful. you can even play this card on turn two off of Ixali's Lorekeeper, yep. right? from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. If you're just playing a red-green deck and playing more of like the uh, low-to-the-ground, cheap dino version, um, this definitely slots in. It would be great. You, you attack with this on turn three, make a treasure. Uh, say you keep it on two or three, you pop it, and you go find uh, a removal spell from your opponent's deck and cast it on a creature that they have. Um, Sweet. You know, it, it, yeah, knowing it's perfect going to be key, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. the main thing about this card is that if you know, in open deckless scenarios, if you know that there's certain cards that your opponent's playing, you can buff this to whatever power that you need it to be. And mm -hmm. from then on, every time that you connect, you're going to just only hit that one card. Right. And 
I'm not sure if swords get played that much in alchemy, but I think additional buff effects are going to be pretty huge with this card. Mm -hmm. Anything that's going to give bonuses, like this card's going to slap super hard. Yeah, and definitely. yeah, in certain matchups, this card is going to be a nightmare because you can just say, oh, they only they're only four drop is shielded. Well, I'll connect and I'm going to hit the one. Yeah, I'll hit their shielded or whatever they're playing the one ring. I'm going to hit them and I'm going to take their one ring. Like yep. it's. Yeah, sign me up. It's a very, very powerful card, I think. 100%. I think this card is definitely going to be a nightmare. Kind of like, um, what was the red-black card? Crucius? I can't remember what the name yes. of it was. Notably another Speaking pirate. Of... Yep, yeah. Also yeah, pirate. another pirate, They can yeah. easily fit in the same deck. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the, the other thing that I want to call out about this specifically, in a lot of other alchemy designs where you're tinkering with your opponent's deck, whether that's like Ravine's Informant or the Clone Crafter, these other cards, you're conjuring copies of your opponent's cards in many cases. In this case, you're straight up exiling it. And so if they only have like one Sunfall in, your, in their deck, you can buff this thing to five, hit, and it, like if you hit it, that means they will not draw it for the rest of the game. It is gone. So you get kind of like this weird, chaotic, like one-off surgical extraction element to this too that I think is really relevant. And as a result, we're looking at a 2-2 two -two for three, and all three of us are agreeing that it's actually pretty good even in 2023. On the digital-only client, no less. Like, these, Alchemy is a format where the where Shieldred, One Ring, um, I mean, Bowmaster's been nerfed, so that's not necessarily a factor anymore. But, like, you know, we're talking about One Ring formats here, and we actually think this guy can hang, and, I mean, we do. I, I, that's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I dig it. All right. So, next up, we have a Human Knight. This is Valiant Bat Rider. Uh, this is a 3-3 three, three, uh, Human Knight for 2 and a white with flying. Whenever Valiant Batrider deals combat damage to a player, that player gets a one-time boon with when you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay one. If you don't, each opponent draws a card. So, yeah, this is an interesting way to affect... If you're not familiar with boons, the way that boons work is... But honestly, it's funny because a boon is something that exists only in digital. However, in the paper game, we see that stuff all the time. Um, you know, so it's one of those that easily could be formalized in paper. Um, but it would be weird to just have another thing to track. So instead, we just kind of pretend that there isn't another thing to track and we just track it and make it work. Which is fine. It's, <laughs> it works, so it is what it is. But in this case... If Valiant Batrider were to tag an opponent, they basically get this... I mean, the boon is effectively an emblem. It's this little thing off to the side. Yep. And it's, it will trigger at some point in the future. You know, in paper, a lot of the time, those only like will trigger until end of turn or something weird like that. Or they trigger at a specific time in the future. They're delayed triggers, that kind of thing. In this case, it just chills until it's triggered. It, it can sit there for multiple turns. And then the next time you hit it, it'll just work. It's kind of funny, too, to be called a boon... Because boon implies that it's positive, and most other boons are. This one is most assuredly not. So, right. yeah, <laughs> what it's doing is... It's the anti-boon. It's the anti-boon. Yeah, this is a, this is definitely a detriment. Um, because what will happen is, if you cast it on creature spell, if you don't have one extra to pay, I mean, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a Ristic Study, uh, you know, it's a one-time Ristic Study trigger. That'll just happen the next time they cast a spell. And here's the other thing about this. This stacks. Or no, it says one-time boon. Does that mean that it can't stack? I'm not familiar mm. with the one-time boon. I maybe, think one-time boon means once the ability triggers once, that it uh, it, that's it. Yep. I'm, so what my thought is if you connect, they get the boon, 
And then you swing again, you know, if they don't cast a non-creature spell in the turn cycle, the next turn you swing again and connect. Do they now have two of those? Do they need to pay, you know, one separately? Or is it, no, the it's called a one-time I, boon, does that just mean that if they have it, they have it, and they don't need to get it? Yeah, if they, if they have it, they have it. I think once you hit them, they permanently get this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they have it. Like, this is... But it's not going to go away, right? Like a one-time? I'm not... I'm a... Sorry, folks. We're getting a little bit uh, into the into the deep dive yeah. of the Valiant. So the boons, the boons after you use them, they go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so my assumption, all boons do that, by the way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay. if you have the ability to set, you know, you have a card that says, "Give your opponent a boon," they can receive the boon again, or give yourself a boon. Mm-hmm. It can happen again. But my assumption will be is because it says a one-time boon is this ability only ever works once. Right. So you will only ever net one card instead of multiple cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I thought that it was like a permanent effect. I thought this was like going to be like once this card deals combat damage, they there's permanently a risk study on your side now. Oh, no, that would that's be like broken. That, that'd be broken. <laughs> no, I don't think they'd do that. No, well, we we see it with other cards. Like I believe Molten Impact gives a boon if it deals deals excess excess damage. The next time you cast an instant right. sorcery, it just adds that damage to it to another to any mm-hmm. target. Um, you know that's an example of a boon that we see right now, and that's a one time you use it, you use it, you know you use it, you lose it, and that's that. Um, so yeah, in this case, you know the fact that it specifically says one time boon, that's an interesting. interesting wording there um so the exact behavior not 100 percent sure but i kind of love the idea it's a three three flyer for three human knight two relevant creature types you know it cares about with your copper coat vanguards and all that it's going to get buffed it's i don't it's a three power flyer like in in an aggressive white strategy what more do you want yep and then adding that additional that optional tax uh on it you know, I think that's kind of cool. I like that effect, and this is an interesting way to apply that. You know, we see cards like uh, Esper Sentinel and those kind of things that kind of have get get you there in different ways. Um, and this is another way that you can handle in digital much easier than you could in paper. So I, I, I dig that. I think it's pretty cool. All right, any other thoughts? I really on like the this card. This card's Rider? awesome. Yeah, that's uh, just a just a really cool card. Once again, more Exelon. Right. Just. Uh, Kind of the side of Ixalan that we didn't get to see last time with the Bat Riders and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, um, I think in the base set we don't normally we didn't get to see this that much. So being able to see it in Alchemy now is actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think this will work well. You know, in in Alchemy before, um, there was a pretty strong like black white knights deck um, mm-hmm. that rounded out at playing Radic Talzillet. Um, which is an alchemy-only card. It's the 4-4 with Hexproof from, like, white and black. Um, And then it says whenever one or more knights you control attack, you draft a card from its spellbook. So, hey, you get to slam this on three, your Radic on four, attack with this, draft a card, and then your opponent casts a non-creature spell, so you draw another card. So, effectively, a card like this will net you two cards on turn four uh, while being sort of semi-aggressive. That's pretty great. Well, and additionally, uh, that's that's a fantastic call-out. In aggressive decks, one of the things that they struggle with just consistently, and this is pretty obvious, uh, but one of the things they struggle with is board wipes. You know, you're generally pretty soft to board wipes because if you put enough, and you know, if you put enough cardboard on the board in order to present a lethal threat, there's a good chance that one board wipe is going to sweep up a whole bunch of that. One of the best and most consistent ways to counter that is by drawing a bunch of cards so that you can rebuild quickly. And Valiant Batrider can help you do that with that boon. In addition to, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Um, 
that guy whose name is already escaping me, but I know I've I've played against that card before. Radic. Radic. Yes, thank you. And it's like it never looks super impressive until you look back at the game and realize like my opponent drew like five cards off this thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it gets uh, pretty good pretty fast. So good stuff. All right, and then next up, we have a very special card. Carlo, oh, yeah. did you want to did you want to go ahead and introduce this one? Yeah, so this is actually the card I previewed today, which was the first of the preview cards yeah. uh, out of our series. This is Pirates Landing. So if you are a fan of pirates, uh, you definitely going to get more pirates in your life with this card. I mean, first of all, just the fact that it costs one red and says draw a card at sorcery speed is already strong uh, with the cards that exist in alchemy and historic, right? Um but it then also says, if mana from a treasure was spent to cast a spell, seek a pirate card instead. So when you seek a card in alchemy, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it takes a random card of that creature type from your deck and puts it in your hand. You don't know what that card's going to be until it appears there. Um, it's not the same as a tutor, which either could be really bad, which I doubt with this card because it costs one mana, or really good because you can fix the number of pirates you're playing in your deck. So hey, Kamachal that we showed you, that's a pirate. If you spent mana with a treasure, you can get a Kamachal possibly from your deck into your hand. Or let's talk about the other broken card that is a black-red pirate in Crucius, right? Crucius, its ability creates a treasure token. So you could sack the treasure token created by Crucius and go get maybe another Crucius from your deck or go get uh, another really good pirate, right? Um, so I think this card is insanely good. And not to mention, uh, I believe this also lets you get Ragavan uh, in Historic Brawl, possibly oh. from your deck, if it's the only pirate. So you can use this as a card draw or go to search oh. up Ragavan. Um, mm. So it's it's pretty it's unreal. cool. Um, like uh, yeah. the first time I read it, I was like, "There's no way!" Like I read it, and I was like, "This is just a one mana tutor." Like, kind of. There's no yeah, way that next. this is real. Like, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it seems it, this card is gonna get played. This, mm. this card's super strong, and even yeah. in the worst case scenario, this card just redraws. Mm -hmm. So you just get like a one mana cantrip in your red decks. Like, yeah, I think that this card is the real deal. I um, mm -hmm. yeah, I expect this card. There's to be there's oh, so yeah. many there's so many cards in alchemy and historic too that just make treasure tokens. Um, you know that's probably a regular in just about every deck. Mm -hmm. Um, but thinking more from an alchemy standpoint and cards this interacts well with that were just released in Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Um, it makes me think of Kite Sail Larcenist, Ooh. which is the 2-3 flying Ward 1 creature. It's 2 and a blue. It's a human pirate. Um, but when it ETBs, it turns a creature of your opponent's into a treasure token for as long as it's on the battlefield. So using this as some early fodder to draw cards, say you've had a treasure, you possibly seek your removal spell. Oh, speaking of Kite Sail Larcenist. Here we go. You... you you seek that out of your deck, and you can get a removal spell on top of it. I mean, this this is all around sweet card. The fact that this card costs one mana instead of two is also pretty huge, uh, oh, allowing nice. you to keep a, a low to the ground, cheap mana cost uh, curve in your deck. 
Oh my god, absolutely. Well, and the other thing that I want to call out is I love the mention of Ragavan specifically, uh, especially for the Historic Brawl. Because right now, like, there are two kinds of decks that I could see this going into. One is Pirate. I mean, there's clearly the Is It, you know, Pirate uh, deck from Lost Caverns. You know, the, like the Draft archetype that they're clearly trying to boost a little bit. Where it's Pirates and Treasures. Makes sense. Pirates seek treasure all the time, and that's a big motivation. Okay, sure. Flavorfully, I get it. Crack on. And they care about artifacts entering the battlefield. And, like, it's funny. Yeah, the new um, Lannery Storm combos with her old version really nicely. Like, fun stuff like that. And so, that kind of a deck, this is a cool utility piece that is going to draw you into one of your creatures. Okay, cool. That deck needs a lot of its creatures online. Keep them coming. Sweet. And uh, the other one that I can't help but think about is, like, is it prowess decks? You know, where you just want to be chaining a whole bunch of stuff, your Niv-Mizzets, your Balmors, those kind of things, because, yeah. or your Kaikars, if you're, if you're nasty, you know? Um, and I love the idea of, like, doing a, a historic brawl with, like, Niv-Mizzet or Kaikar at the helm with this, and, like, you're one of Ragavan in the deck. You'll yep. have other cards. You have plenty of cards that can create treasure tokens. I'm sure of it. They're all over the place now, like you're saying. And so, yeah, if you happen to have this, at a time when you have a treasure token, you could use it to just go guarantee you get Ragavan and you can dash dash the little monkey in. You're going to have a good day if you do that. Worst case scenario, you just play it as one red, get a whole bunch of cast triggers off all the other stuff you have lying around anyway, and it replaces itself. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've cast Warlord's Fury just because it says draw a card. I don't care about right. first strike, whatever. Like, <laughs> just, I don't know, I'm yeah. just going to cast the thing, go. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, cards, like, uh, I mean, granted, it doesn't exist in Alchemy anymore because Alchemy rotated but like this mm -hmm. is an amazing card to go alongside like ledger shredder yes. um you know just being able to cast two cards a turn for extra draw uh you know one red for draw card is a sufficient card uh by itself without the second part of this mm -hmm. uh but right. the fact that you can get something that isn't a land from your deck randomly in your hand is also great too yeah no really solid i gotta say this is a lovely uh lovely piece that is gonna find a home in quite a few decks yeah mm -hmm. i dig it yeah, I love the idea of, like, the Is It Spellslinger deck with the one bomb pirate that they might be able to spin into with this. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so good. All right. And then... Yeah, this card is uh, pretty nice. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next up, we have the Ribald Shanty. This is an instant. This is a one and a red for an instant with a type chorus. Which I think is interesting. We haven't seen instant types like this in some time. Um, it makes me think of Arcane. Do we have a you know splice oh, yeah. onto Chorus coming anytime soon? I doubt it. But you can't. OG Kamigawa fans I, in the house. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's like yes, I know Cultivate is a functional reprint, but Kodama's Reach is better. Okay, which one can you splice? Uh, anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I need to splice Desperate Ritual under my ramp spells. I can't tell you what. To, anyway, Rival Shanty. Back on topic. Uh, starting intensity two. This spell deals damage equal to its intensity to target creature or planeswalker. All chorus cards you own intensify by one. So the way that intensity works, for anybody who's not familiar, it is a set number that gets assigned to a particular spell, effect, a creature, whatever. And then as the that intensity usually can increase in some way. Oftentimes, once you use something, the intensity will increase. Um, that's something that we see a lot. You know, there's a creature with intensity that, like, every time it attacked, its intensity increased. And as its intensity increased, it had a damaging effect that grew. You know, we see that kind of yep. stuff. Or ramp spells that where they, they intensify every turn, and you get more mana for each one. That kind of thing. And so in this case, this is an instant that deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. 
and then all chorus cards you own intensify by one. Now that includes every uh, every other chorus that is in your deck, that is in your graveyard, in your library, you name it. I don't believe it touches exile, but even then I could be wrong. So actually, I think it's it's your own. I think even if it's in the exile zone, I think it would mm -hmm. still technically intensify. And so what that means is. Even if you only see one copy of Rybald Chanty, if you cast it, it goes into your graveyard and then somehow give it flashback with like a Snapcaster Mage or something like that. And then you cast that out again. The first one only dealt two damage. Next one deals three. And yeah. then if you draw into another copy, it's going to deal four. So you guys kind of get the idea that it, that it you know, buffs as you go. Um, I would do want to note, it says all chorus cards you won't intensify by one. Mm -hmm. If you were to make copies of it on the stack... I believe those copies will up the intensity on all the other ones you have, but those copies are not cards. I don't, so I don't believe their damage would increase. So keep that in mind. But in, all in all, if this is the only chorus that we have, it's still kind of cool. It's a two mana shock. It's limited. It can't go face or, and it mm -hmm. can't hit battles, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but then you have a lightning strike and then you have four, then you have an obliterating bolt and then you have, you know, Anyway, it's a cool idea. And my hope is, by typing this, my hope is that we see other choruses uh, happen soon. Yeah. I think that would be super cool. Because, like, building a full-on chorus deck, that could it's, be really interesting. It's possible there's other choruses in this set uh, that have yet to be spoiled yet. Um, this this reminds me, though, there is another red card that was actually in Jumpstart um, that has intensity for each other spell you've played before it. Oh. For each other version of the card you played, but it can shoot face, and it costs two mana. Um, so this reminds me of that card, but that's legal in alchemy. Um, oh, and it, yeah, yes. I think this is is pretty sweet removal. Yeah, agreed. That was is that static discharge? Is that the yes, one? yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I've seen that one. That that is one of those where. You know, when you look at it at first, you're like, it's fine, I guess. I mean, the most damage you can possibly do is, what, like, six? I mean, if they get all four. And then you go up against the as a player who's recursing out of the graveyard, like, five times. You're like, wait right. a minute, no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, this hurts real bad. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, this, this card's pretty cool. It definitely scales very well, right? Like, we're so used to, like, you know, shock and then turns into lightning strike. Right. And I mean, overall, it, it's a powerful effect. To kind of tell everyone how old we are, uh this reminds me of kindle and accumulated knowledge you guys huh. remember those cards i'm actually uh, not really i'm drawing blank i'm afraid i'm sorry accumulated, accumulated knowledge and kindle care about the number of this, those cards in the graveyard so let's oh, say yeah, yeah. i play accumulated knowledge the first one is i draw a card then i play the second one now i draw two cards because i have one in the graveyard yep. then i play this so i think intensity definitely reminds me of this old cycle of cards that existed for a little while sure. from tempest block right and i think uh Rebel shanty if it feels like that and this is a this is an interesting card where up front it doesn't seem that powerful because it's just a shock but yeah the fact that you can up the intensity of a lot of other cards and it's going to be cards you own in your deck and graveyard exile mm -hmm. so on and so forth i think is going to make this card really really powerful and I think there's another card that has the chance to get played. We all know that there's red decks in Alchemy. And I think that this is another card that really could, you know, like you guys are saying, some of the intensity cards that already exist could get better because of this card where that two damage doesn't seem like a lot. But eventually when you up everything else, that's when it starts to get out yeah. of hand. Yeah. yeah. And this card will be pretty good in the draft. 
Um, because mm -hmm. when when Lost Caverns of Ixalan Alchemy comes up on uh, December 5th, so that's this upcoming Monday, um, you will have the ability to draft uh, this set and on the ranked ladder even if you want. Um, and imagine drafting a bunch of these uh, to have like the best removal spells you could probably have. Um, sounds yeah. like a good uh, good plan. A hundred percent. Draft formats are one of those where, like, you know, depending on how small the creatures are, two damage for two mana, that's fine. Like, you know, yeah. it'll get the job done. And this has a, the potential to be much more than that, especially if the other people at your, uh, at your table don't respect this card, and you end up with like three or four of them in a in a draft deck that could get out of hand real fast. But yeah, I think the fact that this doesn't go phase, and the fact that it starts with only two damage for two mana, like that is kind of lackluster, and it's like it, it doesn't check as many of the burn boxes. I feel like this card is going to be good if there is chorus support, and so we still have a couple of cards that we haven't seen yet. Um, I'm very eager uh, to see what those are. Fun fact, actually, little peek behind the curtain. At this point, Carlo has seen one more card than we have, so he might know something we don't. And I'm not, and it, <laughs> so I'm gonna keep an eye on that coverage. And if another chorus card comes up, I'm gonna be very happy. But like, caught it. Oh yeah. I'm just put saying it now. In any event, um, but at the same time, given the way this is templated, I anticipate there will be at least one more chorus card in this set somewhere, and it will do something. And I have no idea if it's even gonna be red, what color it's gonna be, who knows. So I'm very excited to see what that is. Given that, is yeah, I'm thinking. Given anything, that, is right? it like, was. I'm sorry. What was that? Could be creatures, could be anything. Could be, yep, exactly. So given that um, in Ixalan, is it was the pirate, you know, theme, I'm guessing if there's another chorus, if, if there's only one other chorus, I'm going to guess it's blue and you draw cards yep. based on it, its intensity. That would be oh, my, yeah. if, I, if I had to take a shot, that's what I would guess. Um, and if that's the case, then all of a sudden this thing boosting that, let's go. Like that could get out of hand real fast. They, so, they have that one blue card that's legal in alchemy. It's like one blue draw card, right? And then intensity, and when the intensity yep. is on a certain number, you take an extra turn after this one. Like what? Yeah, and it's, yeah. The intensity I think has to be four. You just keep recurring it. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's one of those that it looks like, oh, you'd have to draw all four copies in your deck. It's like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not how that works. Yeah. But anyway, so I'll be very interested to see what happens because the the potential and the upside for this could be really high. Mm -hmm. So I'm intrigued. All right, and with that, we have one other card that we want to talk about, and this is the big one. This is the moment that you've all been waiting for. This is the exclusive preview card. Carlo, thank you so much for making this happen. Oh, my goodness. And thank you, folks, on the Arena team over at Wizards. Y'all are the best. It means the world. Thank you for thinking about us. Oh, my goodness. You rock. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, to Jesse Hill and the rest of the yes. Arena team and uh, Wizards for giving – me a couple preview cards and one of them to be able to preview here for you on the magic jank podcast uh so without further ado this one is a rare oh, yeah. that's coming up in the set and this is propagator primordium it is a three three fungus for one in a green so great baseline stats uh when it enters the battlefield you get to conjure two cards named propagator primordium into your graveyard so that means it's going to take two new copies of this card from thin air, from the blind eternities, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's going to put it into your graveyard. So it fills two permanents in your yard. At the beginning of your upkeep, you put a spore counter on Propagator Primordium. Then you can remove three spore counters from Propagator Primordium and return target fungus creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. 
So you don't have to reanimate another propagator primordium. It could be any fungus that your heart desires. And I don't know if you remember from Lost Caverns of Ixalan, but there's an elder fungus that is a <laughs> mythic rare for three mana, uh, the Mycotyrant, that coincidentally cares about Descend. And if we understand that Descend works properly, it says when you put permanence into your graveyard from anywhere. So that means the two new conjured uh, copies of Propagator Primordium trigger Descend or increase that Descend number for a card that has Fathomless Descent. So uh, like Squirming Emergence, that is another three mana card that's also mm -hmm. in our Fungus colors, right? That is Golgari. Uh, this fits right into those types of decks. Um, and hey, we just get to keep filling our yard with creatures that's going to pump our souls of the lost mm -hmm. and our somnophages from Walls of Eldraine and our Urborg Lurgoifs, oh. right? All of those creatures are going to get bigger fast because of this card. And you can also reanimate it from your graveyard with Tyvar. From Phyrexia, all will be one. And you can get more Propagator Primordiums into your graveyard. Uh, I think this card is super strong. Mm -hmm. um, just having the baseline 3-3 three, three stat for, for two mana seems great. Um, and I, I definitely think we're going to be able to see some type of self-mill strategy or fungus deck that is able to arise from uh, this particular card. Heck yeah. No, and I love that you, you're calling out... Uh... Mentioning Tyvar, that's awesome. And uh, Sarah Paragon, also out there, can really help get these things moving quicker. Mm -hmm. You've got um, the other one, if you're in Historic, you have Luris that can oh, also yeah. help get these things moving. Your um, <clears throat> Extraction Specialist, the, the Reanimate a Small Thing or Helping Hands, like that is a that's a whole genre of cards out there. Yep. And, uh, and these just, the, the amount of value you can get off that is insane. Because keep in mind, too, everybody, when this, so this enters the battlefield. You conjure two copies of it. That includes all of this text. That's not a vanilla 3-3 for two that you're just throwing in your graveyard. And right. so when that thing comes back out, it then conjures two more things back into your graveyard, and those counters are starting to uptick. Obviously, you can even proliferate those if you have that going on in your deck anyway, which if you if you have Tyvar, why not, right? Um, right. <laughs> so if it fits, great. It, you know, and then all of a sudden they're just, they bring each other out of the graveyard and as they do, they're putting more into the graveyard. So yeah, exactly. If you care about your yard, um, then it's just going to be stacked and your yeah. opponent's going to have to have a ton of removal to deal with it, you know, or full, full blast graveyard hate, which yeah. is a thing, unfortunately, but it the, is the fact that it replaces itself plus one yep. in your yard. So you lose nothing from it leaving your graveyard and being mm -hmm. put on the battlefield is fantastic. Um, you know, and there are cards that do proliferate that are in black. Um, I'm yep. thinking of uh, Drown and Ikor. Mm -hmm. uh, minus four, minus four, proliferate. So you can add spore counters to these primordiums and put more on the battlefield. Uh, you know, it, all around, this is great. Um, I, I really look forward to playing this card. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we do, we do love to mess around with jank brews every once in a while. At I think. No way. Yeah. What? And so um, let's talk about how in Historic or Historic Brawl we can play this card with Mask with Nexus and make all of our creatures fungus. 
Oh, this is, yep, yep. Let's do that. I think that sounds great. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys already hit the nail on the head with this card. I think the most powerful thing about this card is the graveyard. The graveyard's always somewhere where uh, in Magic's history has been problematic. And right. <laughs> I just read this card, and this card just feels so powerful. Like, being able to put two other copies. So then if you reanimate or get any of those copies back into play, you get more of them. So your one turns into two. Your two turns into four. Your four turns into, like, what, eight? And so on and so forth. And then before you know it, that squirming emergence is getting back like a Frexian portal. Oh, easy. And yep. <laughs> you're doing some pretty busted things. And then you're getting more Propagator Primordium's back from the graveyard. So overall, yeah, this card's just super, super powerful card. Super cheap, efficient, good stats. Kind of just has everything going for it. And mm -hmm. I definitely feel like this is a glue card for the Descend decks that yes. we're not going to get in standard. Um that we didn't get in standard, should I say? Yeah. Um, but overall, I, you know, so far all the cards so far that we've seen today in the podcast are definitely cards that I would expect to get played in Alchemy, considering their power level. And this card definitely joins those ranks. I mean, I love green. Uh, this is definitely like a card I would play. It's already just good on rate. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, really powerful. I expect to see this in. I expect people to complain about this card. I know that I'm going to hear someone say, oh, this card is so powerful, and like they just keep getting more and more in the graveyard. And then <laughs> Listen, It's really, I'm, really good. I'm, I, I I'm expect it to be good in other formats. I'm jam, to jam this card with the Micro Tyrant. And sure. you haven't really seen Micro Tyrant out there in Standard at all. Mm -hmm. um, and not saying that it's not powerful enough for Standard. I'm sure some folks are playing it out there, and it's a great card. Uh, but... This is the home for that card. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love the, the yeah, calling, calling that the, kind of the glue for the Descend deck. Yeah, I'm complete, I completely agree. It just, your your yard's going to be absolutely full. What I want to find is some kind of mass reanimation with this. Um, I've been kind of playing around a little bit with Bringer of the Last Gift. It's not competitive, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, it is a living death kind of f format, or a living death effect that's legal and standard. Um, but where living death costs five, this costs eight, so uh, you know, which is honestly right. a far more fair uh, cost for that effect. But whatever the case may be, um, my thought is: once I have six of these guys in my graveyard, I want to be able to pull them all out at once. Because then, when as those six enter, twelve get put back in my yard. <laughs> I mean, play haunting like, voyage, right? Haunting yeah, there you voyage go. gets yep. them all out of the graveyard. Yeah, haunting voyage, naming fungus. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I I'm good with this. Oh, or the uh, uh, flow. Or again, Crypto, or, yeah, things can get silly. Yeah. What is the Agadim called? Agadim's Awakening. Yep. Right? Can't you Agadim's or is Agadim's Awakening for each one of each? So maybe it's you one can't of each get them all back. So yeah, Agadim's Awakening. Okay. You'd, yeah, you'd only be able to grab one of these, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But if you make them all fungus and they all have different mana costs mm -hmm. and creatures in the yard, you're golden. Then you can, yeah, true. things yeah, can get silly. True. Absolutely. So yeah, no, I love it. I love the idea of filling my that's yard sweet. as I fill my board. It's, it's all I ever wanted. Yeah. So Wizard, Wizards, thank you for making this a this dream a reality. Oh yes, yes, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, this is uh this is a really powerful card. I can't get over like how strong this is. Like just being able to get some cards automatically in the graveyard. Like every card that we've seen today has had to do with kind of like a different way of seek mm -hmm. or like conjure essentially. And I think that's cool. It's like design space that we don't normally get to see in the paper mm -hmm. realm, obviously. Um, 
and it definitely makes for like some interesting gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Conjure is one where I think we can really see it. The idea that like a card was not here a moment ago and now there is. And we see it in paper with tokens. Like that's obviously a thing. But tokens can only exist on the battlefield. They can't exist in any of the zones. Right. Well, these are cards and totally can. And yes. yeah, and things can get silly. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of like shuffling conjured cards back into your deck. Like that's a thing that could happen and who knows how that might affect things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean cards cool. like this remind me of oracle the alpha obviously yep. the bird sure. that conjures power nine into your deck mm-hmm. um that card was so fun to play with and it's still fun to play with um that in one of my friends power cube they mm-hmm. put it in there in paper like a proxy really? just so we can shuffle power nine into your deck because we thought it'd be interesting gameplay so we take power nine tokens and just shuffle mm-hmm. it into your deck that's, that's an easy way to do that in paper sure. um but this reminds me of that um, the mm-hmm. fact of being able to just, or any Conjure card for that matter, just put things that wouldn't otherwise belong there, there. Uh, and then they just magically disappear back into the blind eternities yeah. uh, after after the game. So Yeah, that that's actually the biggest thing. Like, you could theoretically replicate this in paper if you made, like, 200 of these tokens and just had mm-hmm. them, like, ready, ready to go. The biggest pain would just be shuffling the deck after, like, cleaning it all yeah. out. <laughs> like, unfortunately, yeah, digital, they just eh, take care of all that for you. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. Cool stuff. But yeah, again, thank you, Wizards. And yeah, thank you, Carlo, for uh, yeah giving us a chance to shout that out here on the pod. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, course. thanks, everybody. This is like super, super cool to get a preview on the Jank Podcast. So thanks again. Heck yeah. All right. So with that, the, the other uh, topic that we wanted to touch on today is, uh, so every week we're like, hey, folks out there, send us questions, send us thoughts. And uh, we got our first piece of jank mail, our first request, in our Discord server, and we're very grateful for that. And uh, it was by D. Lawson, who's actually a regular viewer of uh, of our various Twitch streams. And Lawson, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so they asked the question, they, they asked the question, what are the top, in our opinions, what are the top five cards that would um, be players right now had standard rotated? Mm-hmm. And so the way that I interpret this question is not necessarily what are the most five like what are the five most competitive cards because that honestly that list would be pretty boring because it's like yeah. yeah we think Sunfall would still be good we think Shadow of the Apocalypse would still be good we think Go for the Throat would still be good Attraction would still be good like yeah. okay sure like <laughs> you know and that's pretty pretty fair to say like a lot of the competitors right now that are big in the meta are just really powerful cards and they would continue to be so. Kind of in the spirit of this question, what I think would be fun to talk about are some cards that we think would see play had rotation occurred that are not seeing play now. Like, what are some underperformers from these newer sets over the last year or so that haven't had a chance to shine that maybe would have had rotation happened uh, this past year? And so, yeah, Carlo, I know you had a couple in in mind. Um, Which ones were you thinking of? Yeah, so cards that I would like to see played more that i think aren't played now because rotation didn't happen are the urzas from the brothers war so that is urza lord protector uh that melds with the might stone and weak stone right it's a artifact based strategy card even though it it reduces your instants and sorceries by one two Mm -hmm. um but it lets you meld for seven that turns you into a big planeswalker that has infinite abilities um yeah and (laughs) There's yep. also Urza, Prince of Krug, mm-hmm. that is four mana. 
uh, two, a white, and a blue. Artifact creatures you control get plus two, plus two. And you can pay six to make a token copy of an artifact you control, but it's a one-one. And the reason I mention these is because in Ixalan, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, there is a pretty strong synergy between blue-white artifacts that meld really well in strategy with the blue-white Brothers War artifacts. But they're not no really... Right, right. <laughs> but they're not really playable together now mm. because of tri-lands that exist, which enable the domain deck to be really good, which enables Sunfall to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, let's add Leyline Binding because of the tri-lands plus up the Beanstalk, which generates you too much card advantage, right? Yes. Um, in fact, I was playing a deck the other day, um, and shout out to Lewis uh, from stream, who submitted to me a really neat, like, glyph aggro deck um, mm. that is with um, Zoetic Glyph from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. That's a three-mana uncommon enchantment that turns an artifact into a 5-4 uh, base power toughness. And when Zoetic Glyph leaves the battlefield, you get to discover three. And the reason I mention this deck is because you can play lots of small creatures like Ginger Brute and Malkator's Watcher and Market Gnome and Patchwork Automaton, which mm -hmm. is from Neon Dynasty, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Um, and to round out with a four mana cost Urza Prince of Krug to then buff your team on top of that or make copies of Ginger Brute late game or make copies of a removal spell like Dusk Rose Reliquary, also from Ixalan. Um, sounds great to me. And unfortunately, you can't go wide up to turn four because mm -hmm. then you get wrecked by these cards uh, that are possible because of such good mana that exists. Mm -hmm. In opposed to having uh, two, two color strategies, you have these five color strategies that can just work all over the place. Um, you know, so that combined with Ursa Lord Protector being able to play that sort of artifact aggressive deck or reduce costs for your artifacts and melding into a big planeswalker isn't possible because of non-rotation, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I love mm -hmm. these cards. I would love to play these more. Um, but we are dealing with the three-year now extended standard, mm -hmm. and we'll see how these cards end up fitting in. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think for me... Uh... I had a couple picks as well. Like my, obviously we got the five cards, but uh, one of mine was the virtues. I legitimately think that the virtues are all really, really powerful cards that we saw from Eldraine. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because there's already other efficient spells that do very similar things, I think that the virtues are cards that just aren't really seeing any. Like they're not seeing as much play right now. The only one that sees play is the white one. I and I think with. Well, yeah, Virtual Loyalty does see quite a bit of play. I see Virtual Persistence mm -hmm. quite a bit as well. The black one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the black one. But we don't see the red one. No, uh, we don't really see the blue one. Um, and, of course, the green one isn't green maybe like as amazing. constructed yep. playable. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I would have definitely expected to see the red one a lot more. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think because of the fact that some creatures didn't rotate, uh, there's no like small aggressive deck right now. Mostly because the mid-range fest still kind of exists, so I think that cards like the Virtue of Courage don't like exist. They just aren't around. And to the same degree, just like you guys are saying, uh, because you can't really go wide and kind of expect to keep your creatures around, um, 
the blue virtue doesn't really get played as much because you're not able to use that first ability on it, that instant right. ability on it to kind of copy one of your comes into play triggers or things like that. Um, another card that I think, or you know, that was a cycle, but another card I think that would get played more that was hot for a minute is the Soul Cauldron. I think the Soul Cauldron was kind of like a flavor of the week type of thing, but I actually think that there probably would be a deck that took advantage of it, which in turn leads me into, I think that there would have been a plus one, plus one counters deck in standard. Um, it's just that right now with, even though Sunfall wouldn't have rotated, um, let's say an example card like a Farewell still exists, so you have mm -hmm. to play around like two of these board wipes. And because of things like that, uh, you know, obviously Wedding Announcement, there's all these other cards that already make your deck better. Rafine, you'd rather just play Rafine. It's like one sure. of the best Pulse and Pulse and Counter cards around. But uh, without any of these cards, without the perfect mana, I think that there could have been like a green-white Soul Cauldron deck that plays Sovereign, Agatha Soul Cauldron. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a two-drop from Brothers War that whenever... One of your creatures gets a counter. It gets a counter. Yeah, botanical um, brawler. Botanical brawler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different cards like that. That I think like that deck could potentially be like a little niche deck, but it's not going to be like a competitive deck anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know with rotation, if it had happened, I think we would have expected to see the soul cauldron a little bit more. And I think more of the virtues getting played because yeah, mm -hmm. virtue persistence is great. But I actually think Virtue Persistence would have been one of those cards that we talk about potentially being like banned or, oh no, it's like a Bone Crusher, where right now it's not as powerful because there's obviously other creatures that are bigger than just mm -hmm, minus yeah. three, minus three. Yeah. Uh, sure. Overall, I, I think that this is just like, these are at least like two different avenues and two different like sides of like sides of it, because Soul Cauldron could be like a combo card. But it could also be like right. an aggro card. It could be like a mid-range card. Whereas like the virtues are kind of in the same vein to a certain degree where each one of them is going to scale differently wherever the game's at. But yeah, Pam, what do you think? What, well, what are yeah, some of your cards? Absolutely. So I got to say, there have been... I, I agree with all of these statements. Like all of them. Um, I think we would definitely see... Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing, I feel like... Esper needs to just get a little bit of a hit, you know, and, like, getting Rafine out of there would have been huge. The cards like Farewell and Wedding Announcement no longer existing um, would make mm -hmm. it a little bit difficult for those decks to just get material on board and just carry, you know, because all of a sudden you're counting on your Lord Skitter over Wedding Announcement. It's like, yeah, they function similarly, but dies to Lightning Strike before the, you know, token is generated and whatnot. So, yeah. you know, obviously, if that deck had were to be different and need to adapt then the play patterns would change dramatically. The moment you don't have Leyline Binding available on, like, for one mana on turn two because of the Tri-Lands... Crazy, right? The, the entire, mm -hmm. like, complexion of that deck changes, you know? And that's huge. At the same time, we, we still have Herd Migration. We still have Sunfall. The, you know, there could be and probably would be some version of that deck still around. Um, although we would lose Topiary Stomper. So all of a sudden, Topiary Stomper into Invasion, that stops working. So... Who knows? I, it's funny, like, those big player decks would get yeah. hit hard enough that what's left might resemble yeah. something very different. But the I love that might not even be getting played either, which is yeah. kind of like an interesting thing. Like, the, mm -hmm. the, format, the format would be completely different. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea of an artifact aggro deck. So I got I to gotta kind of piggyback off of Carlos a little bit. And a card that I think is 
phenomenal to the point where I built a historic brawl deck with this at the helm and I stopped playing it with viewer battles because I felt bad. Um, it's one of those. <laughs> Sir Ginger the Meal Ender. Oh, I yeah. think this card is a house if it gets support and if it can survive. And right now it just can't. Um, fun fact, also cookies don't have throats. This dodges the premier black two drop removal. Still dies to cut down and cut down wouldn't have rotated. So that's still a thing the first turn that it drops. But even then, if you have a treasure token or something lying around, even that's not necessarily an issue. So I think this card is like bonkers powerful and it just hates on planeswalkers so hard, which is just so much fun. The number of times that I've attacked into somebody, Sir Ginger is tapped, going for their face. They play out Wandering Emperor and there's a pause. Because like, yes, I understand what you're trying to do here. That's mean, Ham. I'm sorry? I said that's mean. It is mean. Because, like, yeah, I understand what you're trying to do here. That Wanderer is here. That means Sir Ginger's hexproof. Yay. It's, anyway, it's a beautiful thing. So I think this card is absolutely fantastic. It just doesn't quite fit any of the shells that we have going right now. It just doesn't quite get get play. Um, and I think in that Azorius aggro deck, so you mentioned, like, Petrok Automaton. Well, unfortunately, we, we wouldn't have had that in this hypothetical scenario. Right. But a two-drop aggressive artifact that can, you know, deliver some punishment, Sir Ginger maybe as a two-of, fit, could fit that deck very very well. Absolutely. Yeah, because then when Urza, Prince of Krug shows up, gives it the Tempered Steel plus two plus two buff, oh baby, we got a stoop going. This is uh, this is looking pretty nasty, and I like it. On that same vein, uh, this there's another card out there from Brothers War that I think is one of the better three-drop creatures in standard right now, and nobody, well, not nobody, uh, very few people are playing it. And as a reanimator player, I love this card. I love it. I love it. I love it with a side of I love it. Yeah, it's this card is insane. I, I got to give the shout yeah. out to, to my buddy Flesh Gorger here. It's this like thing. they banned uh, the invade. I'm sorry. They banned the evoke or uh, invoke rather. Mm-hmm. And then people stopped playing this for some yep. reason. Uh, yeah, it, it, it seems wild to me. Like, I understand that. In the kind of the old school mono black decks, you had more spaces where a three drop, you know, two black pip creature could fit. I get that. And right now, it's also competing in a slot against, um, you know, cards like Skitter, cards like Graveyard Trespasser, which I think a lot of people prefer. Because that ward is so strong on Graveyard Trespasser. And Graveyard Hate and Pings, which is all good. So, like, I understand that. I think if Graveyard Trespasser was no longer competing for that slot... Um, and some of the other threats and some of the other powerhouses that we see in this format were to suddenly disappear. And additionally, uh, Infernal Grasp would no longer be part of the the format, which is not a card you see all the time, but it is around, and I have seen it come in out of sideboards, um, you know, against this card specifically. So I think it would have an opportunity to kind of shine in a way that's kind of neat. And I would like to, I would like to try, you know, additionally, it gives me an excuse to run, you know, a cruelty of Gix kind of situation. Mm-hmm. This card is phenomenal in those kind of builds because it is a setup piece that helps you survive as just a three drop with lifelink that can kind of, you know, hang for a second and prevent some damage, maybe gain a little bit of life, maybe even apply a little bit of pressure if you're lucky enough. Yep. Um, while also, it, you know, if it ends up in your graveyard and you don't have a better reanimator target, it comes back as a seven, five. With all that, th- all that stuff going on, sweet. Uh, yeah, that's fine. You can win a game with that. Yeah. So anyway, I think this card is absolutely fantastic, and I think for some reason there's just too much stuff around it, too many, too much noise, mm-hmm. and it's just 
oftentimes, I have a sneaking suspicion that when people are looking at their 75s for a lot of mid-range decks or a lot of black-based aggro decks, this was a consideration that just didn't make the cut. For and sure. so, yeah, I have a feeling that if there was just a little bit less going on, it would absolutely be a part of those decks. Yeah. So those are kind of my thoughts as far as yeah, the yeah. cards that aren't seeing love right uh, now that probably should. I think another one that uh, I personally think that the graveyard is something that's not touched that much in standard. And for me, there's two big picks. I actually had recently had a video on Squirming Emergence, mm -hmm. uh, which was a card that I think Carlo touched on for like a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Descend strategies. I think Squirming Emergence is absolutely insane. Like I... I I was reanimating like Portal to Frexia, mm -hmm. uh, the Virtue of Persistence, things like that. So I, I think that this card would have been really, really strong yeah. um, mm -hmm. overall. And I think that Cruelty of Gix is actually an underplayed card. And I think that what would have happened is without the domain cards, I think that the Atraxa decks would have ended up being Cruelty of Gix decks, where you're mm -hmm. trying to get Atraxa into the graveyard as soon as you can. And then with all three abilities on Cruelty of Gix, which leads into my other point of Planeswalkers. Can you imagine a world where a rotation happens and Planeswalkers are actually playable again? Control decks can play Planeswalkers and all of a sudden they're like a card type. Um, and you need your Cruelty of Gix to either take the Planeswalker in the control matchup or you use the Cruelty of Gix to take the creature in the aggro matchup or the mid-range matchup. And then that second ability on Cruelty of Gix, you get to look for any card. And obviously the last ability essentially reanimate target Atraxa or Atali, uh, which also would have been still in standard. So I think Cruelty of yep. Gix is one of these cards that is underplayed right now in standard. And I think a lot of it has to do with rotation. And everyone is still pretending that there's unlicensed hearse in the sideboard, which most people have taken them out. I, I haven't so seen don't them. Worry I, I about can't it. remember the last time I saw an unlicensed hearse in standard. Yeah, yeah, the only card you really have to worry about is Graveyard Trespasser, and that's a card mm -hmm. that you can play around. So... Um, yeah, I think and this card should be played too, way more. Speed removal deals with, mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. 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 Um, and real quick, just one more. I think this is going to be this is my fifth one. Mm -hmm. Is uh, aftermath as a set? I think that aftermath is an afterthought, and I actually think that that's a big, big mistake in a lot of players' minds because of cards like Obnixilis and All Will Be One. Like, I think that that could have been a real combo in standard had there been. Uh, rotation. There would have potentially been a world where Obnixilis gets played. Maybe you play a deck that plays all these little ping effects. You can play Chandra, you can play Flick a Coin, you can play so on and so forth. There's so many different, you know, one damage spells and abilities mm -hmm. um, with coupled with all will be one that maybe you can build this combo deck and then you play more Draco, uh, Dracosaur. Uh, you can still play your Shieldridge, you can still play uh, Urborg Scavengers, which was yeah. Potentially going to be the graveyard trespassers replacement, but just yep. didn't end up doing that because that's another uh, one that is a good shot. trespasser yeah, yeah. never left. So yeah. I I think the aftermath as a set I think doesn't get enough love in anything because mm -hmm. it got overshadowed by so many sets this year. But I think that there's a lot of hidden gems in that set, including cards that once again go into the plus and plus and counter deck, or there's yep. a lot of like random enchantments that are still really good. So I I really think that there's the you know, reanimator strategies and other combo decks that mm -hmm. potentially would be existing had there been a rotation. Absolutely. Carlo, what you got some more uh, mm -hmm. on the mind that maybe you feel like maybe should get played now or would have gotten played? 
Hmm. I mean, I really, like I said, the Urzas have been mm -hmm. something I've wanted to play. And on that same sort of mode, like having the Mishra and Phyrexian Dragon Engine not be a thing right now seems yep. crazy to me because mm -hmm. Phyrexian Dragon Engine is like an okay card, but Mishra Clean by Gix is an infinitely good card. Um, that's just outclassed by better four drops mm -hmm. um, or outclassed by the big ramp strategies, um, you know, and also having as much mass removal as we have in standard right now pushes this card back because you want a bunch of creatures out with Mishra so you can get the attack trigger. Right. Um, this card can't function well just by playing cards like Oni Colt Anvil to make one ones. Um, also competing now with that of Nixilis on four mana, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it's kind of hard when you're playing a, a black deck to not play Shieldred, the Apocalypse. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Shieldred Apocalypse is too strong for standard, because I think everyone's way past that argument. Like, you can mm -hmm. just kill the card. Yeah. Um, just in the same way you can kill Mishra. But if you had to pick one of the two to be better, uh, the 4-5 with Death Touch that gains you life and makes your opponent lose life without having to attack is better right in a vacuum um, absolutely yes yeah <laughs> yeah so but i would love to be able to play um these cards in particular mm -hmm. um yeah I, I i think we're missing out on on cards like those and at the same time i think we're also missing out because we're playing more ramp strategies and removal strategies the two swords from being able to be played ah. in standard whether in the main or the sideboard um, I've seen occasional aggro decks where they are sideboarding them in, um, and mostly only sideboarding in the Sword of Forded Frontier, that's mm -hmm. the, the red-green one, um, simply for protection against mono-red, <laughs> uh, right. believe it or not. Um, but... These cards are so insane, Carlo. Like, the blue-black one, both of them are insane. I've yeah. been playing a ton of them. Um, the rest of my deck that I've been playing it in isn't that good. I've been trying them out in like this red white equipment deck that just hasn't really been flourishing. But the games that I win is because it's like, oh, I got the sword and I gave right. a double strike, and then I get like four different triggers. And then uh, what I really was enjoying about the blue black sword was that you could connect with your opponent, you could surveil, and then you can flash back an adventure card. So then you get the adventure part of it, and you get the creature back into right. the exile. So you're essentially kind of getting like a three for one. So I actually think that both of the swords are highly, highly underplayed. Yeah. And I agree, just playing like one or two of each or like one and one is something that we used to see back in the day when the swords mm -hmm. were around the first time. But we're not seeing right now. And I'm telling you folks, like both of them are strong. Like being able to draw two extra cards and play an extra land, that's pretty much what the red green one does. And like mm -hmm. I was saying about the adventure cards, like you can... You hit them, you surveil, you get back one of your adventures, then the creature goes yeah. into exile, and now you just have all this value and just so much going on. Like, it's they're both really, really nutty. And on top of that, you get an effect that doesn't get printed anymore in protection, so then your mm -hmm. cards... The only color in standard that doesn't get hit by these is white. So mm -hmm. if you're not playing against a white deck, or if the white decks are splashing and you know their creatures are those other colors... And these swords are still going to be just as phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been enjoying them with Skrelv and stuff just because yeah. like, I could target my own creature with the Skrelv um, because they don't gain protection from white. 
So there's all these yep. weird little things that kind of can happen with them. And uh, yeah, oh, I've been having a blast with them. I, I can't speak. I can't yeah, tell you. I, I would love to play these cards like in an aggro deck. But, you know, in my opinion, one of the strongest aggro decks right now is the Red Green Picnic Ruiner deck yep. um, that plays like Swiss Spear into that, into Godric, uh, plays like Questine Druid. Mm-hmm. Um, and cards that make this deck really good are cards like Monstrous Rage and um, the the real Royal deck. Treatment. The deck. Yep. It's super fast. It doesn't yep. need the swords to win, but it's a deck that you think might want a sword or two in the deck to keep recurring. Uh, you like you said, like, like the red green sword on turn three. Like you can just kill them. Yeah, the so it's like so why do I need a sword? Why, why would you put yeah. a card in your deck that costs three to, for no immediate benefit? Like yeah, right. it's why would yeah. I play a card like Kellen to go search up an equipment? For what? I could just play an instant card that costs one and just outclass my opponent, kill their creature, trample over for damage. Uh, GG with Picnic Ruiner. I don't need mm. swords. Yeah. And it's funny. Before you mentioned them, I literally forgot we have two swords legal in standard right now. Okay, anybody else who's been playing for, you know, 20 years or so, how nuts is that? Like, <laughs> that bl- Honestly, that kind of blows my mind right now. Yeah, we have two swords that are legal in standard right now. And it's funny. I think a lot of people think sword once in future, the... Um, you know, the blue-black one is maybe not so great because it's more specific than most of them out there. But, like, Swords of Fortune Frontier, that's just, like, beautiful generic value. I don't know what more you're looking for. Like, and, yeah, that protection it can be huge, like you're saying. I don't know. Like, there's so many mid-range decks running around. Why aren't we looking at these, you know, as Every deck is black tools? or red. If every deck is black or red, you yeah. have these two weapons that you can use at your disposal that give you an edge like i would play the blue black one against esper then esper's like <laughs> i guess the only way i can beat you is my wedding announcement tokens like, yeah like, pretty yep, much that's the only, and by the that's way scroll i'm gonna blocking. tap and give for pro white so that's not mm-hmm. gonna be a thing yeah. anymore yep. <laughs> yeah 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 that's yeah I, I think that they're they're really powerful like th- those two cards are the best example of this topic because it's mm-hmm. so many powerful cards like it's funny to me that our first round was almost all Eldraine cards when we were talking about it, and we're talking yeah. a lot about Brothers War, where, like, both mm-hmm. of those sets look so powerful on paper, oh, yeah. but they didn't have as much of an impact as we all thought they were. Like, Fairies was, like, a week one deck that just didn't survive, right? Like, mm-hmm. everyone was trying Fairies out. Well, unfortunately, the Fairies can't compete with the decks that already existed. It can't go over the top of the Domain deck. The Domain deck just doesn't care. Um, now there's cavernous souls so now that there's cavernous souls well counter spells are way worse so yep. then now there's no reason to really play the fairies deck which is wild and it, yeah it, it's, it's wild the fairies deck has access to thought seas in standard and it's not good enough mm-hmm. dang that's the power level of magic magic <laughs> is magic is so high powered now like a lot of your ridiculously over-the-top cards are like support cards mm-hmm like Draco Sword, you read it and you're like, "Oh, that card's broken." It's like, "No, it's just really good." Like I play it and yeah. it helps me get ahead in the game. And it's like, that's all it does. It's like, yeah. But you read it and you're like, "Whoa, it's like Shielded 2.0 or something, right?" It just does so right. much. Like, yeah, you, it's funny. It, yeah, it just has to sit there, and that's it. You're exactly right, because yeah, a lot of the cards out there, like your tracks and your Atali's, like seven drop. If it hits, I probably I'm going to do this huge, crazy, explosive thing. But you're right, Draco Sword. It's like it's just going to hit on the board. And every turn you don't deal with it, I'm going to get a tremendous edge, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
it's I'm going to keep getting ahead and keep it's getting ahead. It's not super splashy, but it ahead. gives you a ton of value, and it just gets you there, yep. And that's yeah. a card that gets played a little bit, but in all honesty, the deck, that card only really gets played in the dinosaur deck for some reason, where yeah. I read that card and I'm like, oh, this card should get played in, like, red deck. This card should get played in, like, mid-range strategies. Like, I think there could be a Grixis deck again. I there think could there be. could be red black. I don't get why there's not just red black mid range that plays the multiverse card for go over the top. Like I and, and mid range Jund. I mean, you can go Glissa into Shieldred mm -hmm. into Dracosar. Like your your opponent's not gonna have removal for every one of those, right? Like some of something's got to yeah. stick. I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, Corpse Appraiser is another card that was used to get played a ton, and then once Invoke got banned. It fell off the cliff, but I think mm -hmm. Corpse Appraiser is just as good as it ever was. Yeah, that it's one. Just that everyone kind of stopped playing that card. Yeah, that one would have rotated. So you know, kind of for the for the premise. Oh that yeah, we're that's right. With. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, sorry. you're fine. Yeah, but right. like, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right that that card like, never stopped being of, like, good. Underplayed cards now. Yeah, that that, yeah, that card never um, stopped being good. But the bands hit that Grixis deck so hard that it just it, that that you know Corpse Appraiser was just homeless. You know, it just didn't have a didn't have the support. Yep. Yeah, it, there's just so many cards. Like I, I think Eldraine is a set that really just kind of took it a little bit too hard, and it seemed really powerful. But we're just not even seeing the adventures. It, like mm -hmm. Magic cards are already so powerful now that adventures don't even matter. Yeah. Like when adventures first came out, we were like, "Oh, these cards are built in two for ones." Well, every card's like a two for one now. Um, yep. If the card's not a two for one, then your card's like not good enough, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wild. That's just how it's been true. for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of wild. But yeah, so these, this was kind of a fun talk about, uh, talk through some cards that are still very strong, um, but aren't giving getting the love just because they're getting edged out by just a little bit. And I think a rotation would have definitely changed that. Um, you know, how much mm -hmm. and what else would happen. And the other thing that I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, there are also tons of cards out there that read like they should be excellent and they play truly terribly actually you know what <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna give a little shout out to one of my favorite five drops that no one is playing jerowin hazaret this card this was part of my my bardu slot machine deck that did get me to mythic uh like i think two months ago um where if you get to five mana if you don't have any cards in hand you can attack and then just freely spin into another legendary creature that was in what the top six cards of your deck with your Atalis, with your Traxas, with, uh, you know, um, I, I also, of course, do dumb stuff with, like, Crocs and Kunros for Tadrabek, that kind of thing. But the number of times, if you have four Atalis in your deck, you're going to find that often. And it feels really good. A five-drop swing with Vigilance, so the Wandering Emperor can't even kill it. And then you can free spin into an Atali or a Shieldred. You're, you're living the dream. And this combos really, really nicely with Liliana of the Veil, who's another one that I think would become a much more potent uh, card. Honestly, it's funny. I think she's not as good these days purely because everything draws a million cards. So, yeah, yeah being able, mm -hmm. forcing your opponent to discard a card after you have committed to Liliana and, like, maybe one other thing. And it's you know, just a worse sack effect than Shielder's Edict. Exactly. Yep. So she yeah, is kind of disappointing. Um, but I have found, like, Liliana... Dropping early, killing a thing, forcing one discard. It makes it so that by the time you get to turn five, you're more likely to be down to one card or hellbent completely. And so Jaron has now online and you can do fun things. So this is a card that is going for like 20 cents or something like that. Nobody has any respect for it whatsoever. And it has single-handedly 
uh, won me games by generating 30 or 40 mana off of a five drop. And like, if your deck's built to do that, it can do that. It's going to be a little inconsistent, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know. I really dig it. So I wish it got some more respect because it gets no respect. Yeah. No respect, I tell you. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't know, unless we have any other cards that we can go ahead and, uh, you know, bring it in for landing. Lawson, thank you so much for that question. That I think there's really just like one. so many. Oh, so many. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you dozens. so much, Lawson. Yeah, there are absolutely dozens that I'm sure we can, if we if we stop and like think through. Uh, so for you, dear dear listeners, if you're watching here on the YouTube channel, uh, feel free to leave a comment below with what cards you think are underappreciated that would see some play or pr- should see some play. Let's say uh, if rotation had occurred, what do you think might rise to the top? That especially like. Ones that people aren't expecting. Like, give us those hot takes. We want to see them. Uh, you can also jump into the Discord server and continue the conversation there. Links to that are in the description below. Um, and if you're listening on various podcatch, uh, podcatcher apps, the link is in the description for that as well. So we'd love to see you in the Discord server. Um, yeah. This this uh, podcast and this community and the Discord server, we're, we're still very much growing. We'd love to have you as part of the team. So please jump on in there. Throw any questions that you have out that you'd like to hear on the podcast for future episodes. And uh, yeah, we'll get to talking about them then. So yeah, thank you so much for, for sticking with us. So before we go, let's go around the horn, gentlemen. Um, yeah, where can people find you on the internet and what can they expect when they get there? So pizza, let's start with you, man. You can find me on twitch.tv slash hollywoodpizza. I stream four days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, usually around five or six in the morning. Uh, You can also find me Sundays. I host three free tournaments a month, all free to play with cash prizes. You can find them 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays as well. You can find me on YouTube, Pizza Box MTG. That's the name of the organization that I run the tournaments under. Um, But you can find that on YouTube. And you can find me on all the socials on Twitter. Uh, at Pizza Goyf and at Pizza Box MTG. Heck yeah. And just as a note, you may know, like, uh, just so that folks listening do know, there is a currently a direct challenge bug on Arena. We've been pestering a ton to get that fixed. We're not going to go into a huge diatribe here, but just know that is the reason why, if you look like, think, man, why, there hasn't been a Pizza Box that's fired for a little while. It's because there is literally a technical issue that is preventing the, them from firing. The moment that is fixed, they will be back. So, follow oh, yeah. Pizza Box on all the things. There will be much fanfare and uh, and excitement when we're able to get back to it. So, yeah, the Pizza Box yeah. will be coming back soon, uh, we assure you, as soon as we're able. So, yeah. Yep. Want to just make a note 100%. of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, Carlo, how about you, man? Where, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at cfavretto underscore junior, the same handle that is on your screen, on all social media platforms. Uh, whether that be Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or threads, because that's still a thing. Um, and I do stream on Twitch about four times a week, typically like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I do Saturday or Sunday or sometimes both. Depends how frisky I'm feeling that week. Uh, but you can check me out over there. Primarily, my content is focused on standard gameplay. Um, and I climb the ladder playing viewer submitted decks every month. Um, so if you want to check that out, go ahead over there. Um, and I know we did preview a card here for Lost Caverns of Ixalan Alchemy Edition. Uh, I have two more preview cards that are going to be coming out throughout the weekend, um, including uh, one more uncommon and one mythic that's on its way. If you want to check out where I'm going to be previewing those other cards, you definitely want to go to Twitter, 
definitely want to go to Instagram and TikTok. I'm going to be making videos on all of them. Uh, and on Saturday, I'm going to be revealing the Mythic card live from PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. So make sure to check that out. Oh, yeah. You're not going to want to miss that. That's fantastic. Love it. And uh, I'm Hammox42 on all of the things. I stream primarily on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Hammox42. I also have an independent YouTube channel and a whole bunch of other uh, collaborations. You can see information for that on my link tree in the description. So if you want to hear me flat by gums about magic cards, there are ways that you can do that. One of the many services I offer. So yes, thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you again, Wizards, for supporting. Uh, well, supporting us with that preview card means a lot. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, yeah again, huge shout-outs. Thanks. thanks so much. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. And, Carlo, thank you for sharing that one with uh, with us here on the pod. Oh, my goodness. I was so excited. Oh, yeah. I was and, happy uh, to. Yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. And thank you, dear listeners, for, for keeping with us. It means the world. So, yeah. Until next week. Later, everybody. Stay cheesy, y'all.